Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Hello Peter, how are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm doing alright. Doing Good. okay? Yeah. Looking forward to talking about the games. Are you? Are you? Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I'm... Theoretically. Theoretically possible that I am. Yeah. If this show was brought to people by some kind of sponsor, mm. would there be an air of truth to that? Uh, there would, yes. In fact, I don't know wh- why you're talking theoretically possible, because it actually is brought to the people by a sponsor. And I've got it right Good. here. Would you like to hear all about it? I'd love to. Hear all about it, as they used to say, the little newsboys. Roll the, up, roll girls. up. Is that... Did they used to say roll up? Or am I inventing that? Am I confusing it with a different thing? With like a circus ringmaster, I think. I don't... Or a fair, gra- I don't know. I'm not. In any case, doesn't matter yeah. because hey, video games. They're for flipping nerd, dork, uncool, uh, SWAT, SWAT uh, dweebs is what they Tell are. Tell me about it. Yeah. God, who'd want to be one of those people who plays video games? Do you know what's much cooler than playing a video game? What reading? That's true. That's true. And uh, so we're here to tell you. You know what? Stop listening to this video game podcast. Get out of the world of gaming. Go into the world of reading. Find a good reading podcast to listen to instead. Uh, And, more to the point, find a good set of books to read. Um, And if you need to sort of transition yourself from the video game sphere to the reading sphere, and you need a good kind of middle ground, a sort of halfway house, why not check out the upcoming uh, book trilogy... Mass Effect Literary Edition. Oh, okay. It's they've all been written up into a set of books. Uh, they're like, I guess they're probably choose your own adventure books, aren't they? Because it's an RPG. So oh, wow, they've got to be massive. Yeah, I know. Turn to page four thousand and nine to kill everyone <laughs> on the suicide mission. So is Mass Effect one to three included in the same? volume or are they three separate books that you buy together in like a package yes it's it's the latter it's three different books they come in one of those little cardboard holders where all three of them are sort of nestled in together that's nice but it obviously that given that they're so big to 
kind of give you every chance to make every decision that you make in the games as well. They are the box that it comes in is actually a small shipping container. Um, so right. I hope you've got room. Okay. Hope you've got room somewhere for that. Does um, it look a bit like the scientist posing next to the calculations that took NASA to the moon? <laughs> yeah, it that looks exactly time. like that. Okay, with the books towering over her. Sounds like a lot of work to read that. You know what? You know it'd be easier. What? Just playing the games, I suppose. That's, that's true, but that's for losers. I thought we established that. Well, it is, but unfortunately, there's not really an alternative to playing games because it turns out that's not real. Oh, gosh darn. All books are lies that I just made up there, and you have to that... carry on playing games. Books aren't actually real, idiots. No. We really had you go in there for a second, didn't we? Yeah, we, we did. made it sound like books existed. They used is... to exist. They're extinct now. They were they were burned by communists and Nazis throughout various <laughs> different periods and geographical locations in the 1900s. There's actually debate among some in the scientific community as to whether or not books ever existed. Mm, yeah, uh, some don't believe it. They think we're just know. misidentifying scrolls. Yeah, it's all about scrolls, baby. Mm. Gotta have those scrolls. Anyway, you know who we're really sponsored by, Peter? Who? The wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month you can support the... channel? What are we? I yeah. often find it difficult to label us you mean as because an we're actually We've got Twitch and YouTube, so that's two channels, and then we've and also podcasts, got the podcast. Yeah. And a website. But mm. obviously we don't we're do a multimedia franchise. See, that's what I've... I've taken to labelling us a video game media company from time to time when talking to PR, because that feels the most accurate. But anyway, mm. you can support our video game multimedia company... And uh, allow us to keep doing what we're doing. And also you'll support the podcast as well. Plus, at the $1 tier, you get to submit questions for the podcast through the weekly podcast post. That's where we source all of our questions exclusively for this podcast. So do consider going there. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Firstly, Peter, where are we walking today? We are walking. Uh, let's not do a sponsor-related one this time, because we always do okay. that. Let's instead uh, walk... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it can't be a book because those don't exist. No, it can't be through a library because they also don't exist because books don't exist. Therefore, yeah. well, you can get the DVDs from the library. I think that's all they do now. I believe can, it's called Blockbuster. Can we walk through a Blockbuster or in front of one? Yeah, I love a Blockbuster. There's so many. There are, yeah. Uh, I wonder if there are any decent definition photos of Blockbusters because. By the time oh, people started taking be. good pictures, they'd already gone. No, they're still around. Everywhere. Everywhere. Well, we yeah. love them. I think most people ended up buying all the stuff from closing blockbusters and rebuilt them in their basements. That's yeah. what Reddit has led me to believe. So mm -hmm. there's probably some decent footage of someone's basement Yeah. with, with blockbuster signs. But Sweet. there we are. We're walking across through a blockbuster today. Brilliant. Yeah. Question one, Peter. It's from Ellie Nicholas, who says... Is there a game that completely put you off a series or franchise? Did you ever go back to that series or franchise? Thank you, Ellie, for your question. Mm, thank you, Ellie. Um, I sort of... I was tempted to put Kingdom Hearts here for a, for a brief moment, but it doesn't mm. really count because I think the implication here is 
it's maybe a franchise that one has enjoyed for several games. Whereas with me, Kingdom Hearts, I really loved the first one. I sort of missed out on the second one a little bit, and I was I had every intention of playing it. But then, in the meantime, they started doing all of their Final Mix 1.8 ChainsUnlimited.com forward slash yeah. sequel minus three prequel. Play the mobile game. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm not even going to bother playing number two now, even though I think that one you probably could play without having played any of the others. But certainly Kingdom <laughs> yeah. Hearts 3... I mean, that was a joke when it came out, wasn't it? There were people releasing, like, lore videos to catch you up that were half an hour long, and it was almost... I mean, some of them were done by serious Kingdom Hearts fans who were genuinely trying to do a public service, but other people, I think, were doing them just because it's funny. Like, I'm going to catch you up on everything you need to know, and then 45 minutes later, they're like, so there you go, now you're all caught up. Um, (laughs) I don't remember anything. Yeah, so... Kingdom Hearts is a sort of answer, but not really, because, as I say, I really liked the first one, and then it all got weird. Um, So in terms of a series that I did really, really enjoy and played every installment of until uh, I was put off, um, the Tekken franchise. Big fan Mm. of Tekken 1, 2, 3, Tag. Um, Tekken 4, I thought, was a bit... It's a bit weak. It wasn't great, but it didn't quite put me off. Then played Tekken 5, thought that was really good. Tekken 6 came along... Flippin' hated that game. Oh my god. Uh, it has one of the worst bosses in any fighting game ever. And I used to wonder whether it was just me who thought that. And maybe I was just rubbish. Um, I did a little bit of research before this podcast just to make sure... Just to kind of make myself feel better in my own uh, kind of insecurities. And it turns out that, yes, Azazel from Tekken 6 the big Egyptian crystal crocodile man who's about 25 feet tall uh, is in a lot of like lists and like IGN awards and things as being one of the worst bosses, one of the worst video game stages, characters. Tekken 6, one of the most frustrating video games of all time. All these different, you know, sort of negative awards that it's received and lists that it's made its way into so that really put me off and to the point that I wasn't I almost thought about not carrying on with the series at all, I wasn't really going to even bother with Tekken 7 however, uh, we I think it came out while we were at What Culture and we got sent a copy and as the person who other than Tekken 6 really liked the series and knew quite a lot about it it kind of fell to me to play that and fortunately I was I was brought back. So I think it mostly answers the question. It did It did completely put me off it, even though that I did end up playing the game immediately after it. But I wasn't necessarily going to. It was just kind of fortuitous that uh, the, uni- the universe forced my hand and I was like, okay, all is forgiven for now. Um, <laughs> but certainly Tekken 6, man, what a, what a poor game. What a poor game. Mm. Uh, I actually got the platinum in Tekken 7 somehow. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm terrible at it as well. I had to yeah. play online and everything. <laughs> it yeah. was awful. But uh, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I fell off a couple of franchises after inherently good games that oh. just didn't really grab me. So I was um, I was a big Call of Duty fan, admittedly largely in the wake of Call of Duty 3 and then certainly Modern Warfare. 
and then I couldn't really get into Modern Warfare 2. Lots of people love it, and I didn't really like it. And then I didn't really like Modern Warfare 3 either. Mm. But I loved Black Ops, the original one, by Treyarch. And, and I thought that was such a good game. And I loved the zombies mode, the, the, the sort of the furthering of the zombies mode from World at War. Um, and I loved the story, and I played a lot of the multiplayer. And so when Black Ops 2 was coming out, I was really excited. And then I just didn't really like Black Ops 2 that much. Mm. Or at least nowhere near as much as I liked Black Ops 1. At which point, I just sort of gave up on the franchise. Which I think was probably a smart move because Advanced Warfare and Infinite Warfare were infamously not... the Sort of when Call of Duty jumped the shark a bit. And they were just... I mean, that series is ridiculous anyway. But they were just sort of reaching for idea. What about space? What about future warfare? And it's just like, yeah. no, I don't, I don't want that. And what about, what about if Lewis Hamilton was a mechanic on a spaceship? <laughs> no thanks, I'm all right. Um, and then I hopped back in with World War Two, and I played the story for that. Didn't touch the multiplayer, but yeah, I, I think it was, it was Black Ops Two that was inherently, you know, it was a good game, but it just, it didn't do, didn't do much for me, and so mm. I fell off. And the other one is Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is a, a, a lot of people's favorite Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Because you get to be a pirate. And it was one of, um, well, it was it was obviously the, the first Assassin's Creed game. One of the, I can't remember if it was a launch game, but it was certainly a very early game for the PS4, Xbox One launches. And uh, a lot of people were blown away by how amazing it looked and all the things you could do. And after getting severely burned by Assassin's Creed 3 and not liking it at all, just the prospect of more of that, but in a in an even bigger map where you have to slowly go around on a boat as well, it just completely turned me off, and mm-hmm. I did not want to play it. So I didn't get very far in Black Flag before giving up on the series until Valhalla last year. So yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with with the Call of Duty uh, thing as well. I went out at a different point, really. I think kind of almost with the first modern warfare which i know is that's probably the most controversial thing that's it's blasphemous. a lot of people's favorite of all time it's a it's a great game for sure and i enjoyed the multiplayer a lot i had a i had a good time uh playing multiplayer in modern warfare but to me call of duty was all about um world war 2 that's what i enjoyed call of duty mm-hmm. 2 is one of my favorite first person shooters of all time call is of that duty big 3 red one uh no just the the kind of the main one Right, because um, that was on Big Red One was on PS2, wasn't it? That was the only. I love, love that subtitle. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, that was the only PS2 uh, version of of Call of Duty Two, wasn't it? But uh, mm. no, the kind of the base Call of Duty Two, which was uh, late Xbox, early 360, 360 it, was it? I think. Yeah, there was a. Th- it was a three sixty. Mm, I think it was a three sixty launch game. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that game is absolutely fantastic. I think it still looks great today in its own kind of stylized way. And so when Call of Duty suddenly moved on to modern warfare, um, I thought, look, they're doing this well, no question. But you know, I kind of, I don't know if I'm just, I'm not as into this just as a as a theme. Yeah. Um, and when they've delved back into world wars um, since then, I've thought, okay, great, yeah, I'll check these out. But other than that, you know, I've I've never played Black Ops, uh, any of them. Um, but uh, maybe a little bit of multiplayer at like a friend's house. But outside of that, I've not not mm-hmm. touched them. So yeah, 
Um, well, maybe they'll get you back one day. I will say 2019's Modern Warfare was really good. I was very impressed mm-hmm. by that, and that made me interested again. And then Warzone, obviously, is just a phenomenon on its own now. But uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I'm back they, aboard the COD train. I'll see, we'll see what they do this year. Well, by, by the sounds of it, they're going to be doing probably more of uh, the likes of Warzone because Activision have moved Toys for Bob. I and... know, isn't it sad? Yeah. All into support roles. What a mm, weird... We'll see what happens. I'll. What we'll do, Peter, is we'll get a Spyro the Dragon gun skin and that will be... That'll be your your new Spyro game. Yeah. I'd How do like you feel that. about that? A Crash Perfect. Bandicoot skin, but you don't play as Crash Bandicoot. There's just like a little wumper fruit on someone's helmet, and that's it. Now I'm interested. That's the the dying gasps of Crash Bandicoot <laughs> as he's absorbed into Call of Duty. Oh, uh, that's tragic. Probably worth pointing out, there's, but there was a lot of reactionary stuff people saying oh well now they've cancelled all crash and spyro clearly i think yeah. that's they've since said that's well i don't they, they've not outright said that's not the case but i think it's important to point out that they have not actually said we're not doing any more crash and spyro so no, there was a lot i think of, there will be There'll yeah be there. i think there will be i i follow that whole circle on social media and my god the absolute storm that was brewed <laughs> that day yeah um and for for no real reason, you know, people just jumping to their own conclusions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that's a big digression. But there we go. Those those are our answers to question one. Fantastic. Yeah, there they are. Let's move on, Peter, mm-hmm. to what we play in. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's what we play in time, Peter. What have you been playing? Uh, I played a few things this week. Uh, it's been a it's been an exciting week for me. I started the week with a little bit of minecraft carried on with with my friends i i mean in the previous podcast i was talking about i wonder how long that'll last it may have now reached the point where it's going to die because oh no two uh, weeks two, well yeah because I, I mean it's still going for now i'm only i'm only guessing but i well no, it's not just me several of us now have several games that we wish to play and it might kind of get in the way of just the time that we have to play minecraft is the issue it's not that no one wants to play minecraft anymore it's that Mm. there's other things that you know are probably just going to take priority sadly so we'll see how it goes but we've we've had a good time uh and if we continue to do so then that's great um but uh it's it's always nice to just drop into minecraft play a bit more and uh, you kind of know as soon as you start a new world, you're like, this won't last probably super long, but I'll enjoy it while while I'm playing it. So uh, that's been good, and we'll see how how much more uh, I do. But uh, more importantly, the main thing I've been playing this week, of course, is Resident Evil Village. Nice. Um, which at time of recording, we're going to be streaming the first part of it uh, today. I'm very excited. So uh, when this podcast goes out you can check out the vod if you missed that on thursday um so that's been a lot of fun i've played about four and a half hours now um so i've only actually had three sessions with it um in fact last night when i finished playing uh after probably an hour and a half two hours something like that i uh i looked at the the in-game timer just because i wondered oh i wonder how long i've been playing now 
um, because I knew that I would be talking about it today in the podcast. And my save file is only like marked at like two hours or something. I was like, that cannot be right. I was like, there's no way I've only been playing for two hours. And I checked on my PS5 that, you know, where it says like how much time you've spent playing. And Mm. that was much higher. That was like, as I say, it was four and a half hours, something four four hours, I think. Um, And uh, I know that some in-game timers behave strangely. Like I know that the Spyro speedrunners, I know we're going back many years now in comparison to Resident Evil 8, but maybe there's always been this trend with in-game timers where the Spyro in-game timer is used by the speedrunners and it's completely different to like the real in-game time. I don't think it's to do with cutscenes or if it just... I don't know. I don't know what dictates like how these things are uh, marked. But in any case, my PlayStation says that I've been playing for, I think, four hours. Um, and I think it's probably more like four and a half. So that's a weird one. Um, hmm. But uh, so I've been thoroughly enjoying that. That's a lot of fun. Man, it's a very beautiful game. Um, and having played more of it since we did our quipscope, I would say a few opinions have changed, or I, I maybe made some statements where at the time I hadn't, I wasn't as informed as I could have been because I only played like a maybe maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, so, for example, I think I said that it's maybe as scary as Resident Evil Seven, but just in its own way, it's more of a monster flick. I would probably say now it's not as scary as Resident Evil Seven. I don't think so. Um, okay. there, there are certainly some moments in there, of course, but uh, I I think it's it's very much more action based. It's like Resident Evil Four in that sense, uh, and in a lot of other senses as well. Um, but uh, it oh, it's 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 really fun to play in a completely different way to Resi Seven. There's more gunplay involved. Uh, there's more enemy variety. The world is far more interesting in that, yes, you've got the village, but you've got the castle interior as well. And then even within the castle, there's like an outdoor courtyard. There's like down in the dungeons. There's the very nice opulent, you know, kind of main floor. So you feel like you're experiencing uh, just just more variety in the areas that you explore in comparison to Resident Evil 7, which I know it had the main house and then the old house and then the ship, but everything was still just a bit gray and quite samey in that game i thought uh, mm. in comparison anyway um so thoroughly enjoying that and as i say check out our, our vod of our first segment that we streamed on thursday the other game i've been playing this week which has taken up more time than i expected it to because i wasn't that optimistic is um the Baldur's gate dark alliance remaster so ah, okay this was announced out of nowhere pretty much and at first i was very excited and then the more I looked into it while I was waiting for it to release, because they had some issues with getting it onto storefronts for some reason. It took them longer than they wanted. Uh, it, I kind of looked at footage and some of the people who managed to get hold of it and play it. Uh, and it seemed like it had been a bit rushed and half-arsed and stuff. Um, and we may well have done a, a quip scope on it, actually, by now, um, on Thursday or Friday. I don't know. But... I, I expected I was going to be a bit disappointed, uh, but I gave it a go, and it's actually really good. It's what I wanted from it. It's just a, a nice-looking version of a game that I really loved on the PS2, and uh, it's just nice to relive those memories. And 
other than one or two just occasional oh what happened there kind of strange little tiny glitches um it's it's really not too bad the lighting's not as good and uh you know i think they've they've maybe there are things that they could have done to make this even better that they didn't seem to bother with so it's certainly still been maybe rushed a little bit but it's not disappointing i guess is is the mm-hmm. the bottom line so i've played through a okay. third of that which is why i've uh, not played as much resident evil as i expected to have played before we started streaming it but um I'm certainly far enough ahead that we're not likely to catch up with me in two hours. So right. uh, that's that's what I've been playing this week. How nice. about you? Well, before I talk about me, I wanted to check in on how you were finding Lady Dimitrice because I remember when it was when sort of the the fanfare about her was first kicking off and all the memes and mm. so on. You seemed a bit bewildered by it on the podcast you weren't really on board with the yeah. i want her to step on me crowd i'm i'm just interested to see where you where you are now having experienced it i've kind myself. of i mean I, I don't think i quite understood uh at first why people had focused in on this character in particular on in you know based on all of pop culture i thought I, is it just that she's tall and then if it is because she's tall, why is that? I don't I don't really understand why that's more appealing or less appealing or why that has any bearing on anything. Um, so I kind of didn't quite get the joke. And then over time, you know, it just became it's it's, it's just it's a meme, isn't it? And it's like mm-hmm. whether or not you necessarily got it in the first place. Um, I kind of I got on board with it. And I've I mean, I've on social media, I've done a couple of like posts and stuff over the past couple of months i think kind of getting in on that on that joke i think in all seriousness though like do i actually think that she's like appealing outside of the fact that she wants to kill you and she's a vampire i mean that is know, not what i'm asking you but yeah no i know do tell me i know i know that if you're i need to finish that <laughs> sentence first do i think she's appealing as a kind of joke oh yes senpai i want that or or is it something that people have just kind of latched onto even though so for example there's like the the blue aliens from mass effect right mm, and yes the ansari the ansari as i mean that's a joke that's going to go over everyone's <laughs> no, heads that's but, just for us yeah yeah uh the ansari i i don't actually look at a blue alien and think oh hell yeah i want some of that but i can i can kind of see where the joke comes in or where you can kind of sort of pretend that this is this is appealing whereas with her i don't i still don't quite understand where the the joke ends and the the actual infatuation begins because some people seem to take it quite seriously and for me i'm like i'm not sure about that but in any case to answer i think what you're you're really asking from me here i think she's less i think people the problem with uh the lady dimitrice thing is that we kind of came up with this thing as a collective before the game was even revealed or sorry released based on a couple of clips of a tall woman and i think some people might be disappointed because they'll almost go into this game expecting that she's going to be sort of sexualized and that she might be flirting with you a little bit throughout the game and kind of chasing you down and like i'm going to get you ethan and that she's going to maybe sort of give you a kiss before she kills you sort of thing like a sort of poison ivy 
kind of character. And that's not what you get from her at all. She hates you. She like really does not like you. She wants you dead. Um, but Peter, is that not part of the fun? Is that not part of the meme? Is that she genuinely wants you dead and the the affectionate flirtation is mm. only one way. It's unrequited. Exactly. Knowing that she can and will hurt you. And that's, I think, maybe part of the joke for a lot of people and also perhaps part of the fetish for people who are taking it very seriously. I mean, this is the thing, though. I think maybe we there's, there's not a consensus on exactly what this meme is and maybe that's partly why i struggled with it at first and didn't quite understand it is i think some people maybe do think that some people maybe want her to be a bit more kind of flirtatious and a bit kind of um i'm trying to think of other examples outside of poison ivy who literally the reason she kisses you is because she that's how she like she's got poison lips so that's kind of but you know there are certain um particularly i think stereotypically it's a female villain there are villains in pop culture who kind of toy with their prey and they they're very flirtatious and sexual and they they like kiss the hero before they try and stab him and stuff i guess a bit sort of Catwoman, a bit Mm -hmm. kind of um yeah yeah there are i'm sure there are other non-batman examples out there but (laughs) like a femme fatal yeah a femme fatal and she's not that at all and i think some people maybe are getting in on this joke expecting her to be in the game hunting you down because it's almost a vampire thing anyway inherently like Mm. some depictions of dracula have him as this charming man who uh he woos the the virgins that he's going to bite the necks of he doesn't just hunt you down growling and screaming and grab you by the head and bite your neck he actually sort of you know he offers you a glass of wine he sits you down in his mansion and then he'll he'll sort of make his move and bite your neck and i think that might be what some people are expecting. Some people won't be, and you're right. Like that, the appeal is that she's she will kill you. She does not want to do anything nice to you at all. Uh, but yeah, it's a strange one. Um, mm. So depending on what you want out of the Lady Dimitrice, uh thing and what you're expecting, you might be disappointed. You might be very pleased because rest assured, she does absolutely want to stomp on you and bite your neck. But uh, she doesn't want to give you a little kiss kiss before she does it, if that's no. what you're hoping for. Well, that's um, an interesting conversation. We've heard from, was it a dominatrix that you brought along in Weird News yes. the other week? So we've heard from a dominatrix about what would happen if she stepped on you. I think maybe now we need to hear from some kind of perhaps psychologist or something about the mindset involved in wanting potentially something that could hurt you to step on you. I saw a, a very from, interesting from a sexual perspective. I would be interested to learn. I don't really want her to step on me because that would really hurt. It would really hurt. That's yeah. not. I'm not into that. But I'm on board for the joke. Mm. But some people very am. much are taking it, taking it seriously. Like, yes, I would like. I would like that to happen to me. Yeah, and I am interested in in that perspective. I'm certainly, like, going to write that, an advert on that? Craigslist. If you are yes. over five foot. 11 as a woman please come and stand on me with stilettos you know that sort of thing um i did see an interesting article i mean i know Mm. we want to move on to the rest of what we're playing but i'll be quick here i once saw an interesting article it was around the time that twilight was at its peak in terms of people being interested and it was a i don't know if it was a psychologist i think it was a psychologist actually who was interested in the ideas of romance and like attraction and what 
kind of essentially what turns people on is what they were kind of talking about. And it was why the vampire as a character is on paper, if you just go by sort of committee, it's the perfect um, thing for a woman to be attracted to. Um, and the way they'd done it is that they'd like analyze loads and loads of fan fiction, not of Twilight, but just erotic fiction that women had written on the internet and submitted to God knows what websites. And it was just the fact that women talk a lot about um, uh, kind of musculature. And obviously in Twilight, they were quite kind of beefy. And they talk a lot about, uh, let's let's say, the flow of blood through a man, if you see what I'm talking about there. And so there's the, like these certain motifs that occur in even non-vampire fiction that uh, if you put them all together, they create a vampire story just sort of inherently. And uh, Well, there you go, women. Yeah. Uh, Solved. And, and, and like I say, it's all just on paper with ticking boxes and you can't really just analyze those things. And, oh, well, they talk no. about this, so they like this. You know, I'm sure no, most women will be like, no, I don't want a vampire. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Go. It's interesting, the phenomenon. Like, I think maybe, again, we're still talking about Lady Dimitris. She will continue, I think, to dominate conversation, quite literally. Yeah. For quite a while, because the reaction has been so... It's. I've never seen a reaction like this to a mm. character before a game's even come out. Like I people bet are just can't believe their luck. No, and the, I think the directors were like, "We're thrilled with the yeah. reaction," and then the marketing team were like, "Oh, thank God, let's put her on buses and stuff." That's, yeah. that's we've solved that. Um, but yeah, like it's it's really it's really interesting because I think part of it is perhaps just the fact that she's she is something to behold. Like yeah. seeing her stoop through a door is supernatural like you don't you don't see that and the fact that she is dangerous as well is is got to play a part right that we, she she could and wants to hurt you is I, uh it's I, like yeah. a fear response in your brain well i mean again we're still talking about it let me just yes yeah quickly on, tell going. a story about something that happened to me last night after i turned off the game oh about God. half past 11 did it she was, get you she nearly got me. It was it was dark. I went round the house. I locked the the door, secured my home, and all the lights were off. And I was just walking through the the house in the pitch dark. And we've got a we've got a tumble dryer in our garage, but we don't use it for economical and ecological reasons. They're not good. So we we hang our stuff, and we've got a little clothes horse that we put most of the just t shirts and socks and stuff on. But Amy, my fiance, had washed our bedding and you can't really hang that on a clothes horse it takes up the entire thing so what she'd done and i didn't realize this as i was walking through the house is hung assembled a lady dimitris analog she had hung a bed sheet from the top of a door an open door oh, so as i'm walking no. through the house after just playing resident evil i saw and granted i know lady dimitris is like 12 foot tall so this still wasn't tall enough to be her but i saw like an eight foot white thing draped in sort of white fabric standing in my living room and honestly just for a moment i was like she's here and (laughs) she wasn't she wasn't but oh no it was so tall and white and Mm -hmm. it was it was a tall white thing in a dress effectively and once i'd realized i'm safe i thought it was quite funny because if you go back you know, decades, if not centuries, 
people used to scare each other by putting sheets over their heads and pretending to be ghosts. Like, that's how you used to scare someone. Nowadays, you couldn't just put a sheet on your head and go, Woo! No, you, you definitely can't. But uh, I thought it was funny that I got literally just scared by a sheet, um, as people <laughs> used to do in, like, the Victorian times. Wow. Um, it was great. That. Incredible. Sorry, that's what I've been playing this week. Yeah, let us know. The conversation rages on about Lady D, uh, the public reception. Really interesting. Yeah, that was like a big discussion, really, wasn't it? It was. We have to do one now. James, just cut that out and move it to the end. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. nice and simple. So, very quickly, I've Mm. been playing a little bit more Crash Bandicoot 2. Oh, yeah. Haven't finished it yet. Uh, Played some Warzone the other night. Uh, Did some of their mini Royale mode was back. Won three games. Oh, well done. Three games of it, yeah. Uh, played a little bit of Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. Ooh. I'm done. I don't I don't really like it. Oh no. All it does is remind me of Persona and makes <laughs> me want to play Persona. And I know it's um it's a obviously a very good game in its own right and it has its audience and all. May a thousand blossoms bloom, bloom. All, the, all the power to you. Mm. But for me personally, playing it just made me think, wow, I've played like the evolution of what this is and I would much rather be spending my time playing that so I think I'm I think I'm done um also crash team racing platinum done got it fantastic yeah courtesy, your tweet. courtesy of Cameron one of our listeners and patreon supporters you can add him on PSN by the way Cameron Allen or one word and he's he has told me that he will gladly help people with oh, their time wow. trials so if you want some help hit him up He's there. He's ready to help. Cameron, you're about to get inundated. Oh, I don't know. Don't don't set us up that big. You might not get anything, and then we'll look like, oh, what a, what a crap podcast. Yeah, no one, true. No one even wants any Crash Team Racing help. Um, <laughs> I started up a game of Borderlands 2 last night oh, on, okay. the, on the Handsome Collection. Me and two of my Warzone buddies started playing through that, and that was so delightful. We played it for about four hours Borderlands 2 is so good and the whole time we because we we'd all played Borderlands 3 we were talking about how we loved Borderlands 3 but how Borderlands 2 was just <laughs> so much better mm-hmm. and uh man I hope when Borderlands 4 rolls around they they sort of take take more from Borderlands 2 than they did from other shooter uh, looter shooters and where the genre has you know got to in sort of the seven-year break between Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3, because I don't want the live service stuff. I don't want that. Yeah. The story wasn't very good. I didn't really like the characters. Borderlands 2, you know, had Handsome Jack, widely cited, one of the best video game antagonists. He's charismatic. He's brilliantly acted, brilliantly written. It's, it was great. Really good game. So I'm looking forward to playing some more of that at some point. And finally, Returnal. Yes. I, I have not only finished it, but I've got the platinum. Fantastic. Once I beat the final boss it suddenly because all the pressure was lifted from my shoulders on every subsequent run through various biomes to find collectibles and so on Mm. i was just i was flying peter i couldn't be touched like i was just going through like three biomes back to back to back and admittedly not facing the boss in either of them because i i didn't need to because i was just looking for collectibles but even so like I, I just I couldn't be stopped. I was having the runs of my life, which you know usually oh, comes after dominoes. But it does, in this yeah. instance, it was Returnal, and I really, really like Returnal. It is. 
I think more stable than it was, but like as as you saw on Twitter, Peter, like that I I, I encountered numerous bugs that a lot of people did getting locked in rooms that I yeah. couldn't escape from, so I had to restart a run. Uh, it crashed my console. I had the sound drop out a few times. Oh. Um, on one occasion. I was using like a teleporter thing to take me to a new part of the map and the camera was following my sort of like blue ethereal form as it was being teleported and the camera just stopped and the the, the, the ethereal form just disappeared off screen oh, no. and never caught up. So <laughs> then I had to restart it again. I was more afraid of interacting with like uh, pieces of machinery because sometimes the doors would lock after you interacted with something that would cause like a little cutscene that you could then skip of like you interacting with it mm-hmm. um, and say like there's there's a, a sort of plinth type thing that you can lie on and it will recover your health you'll come across those sometimes I was more afraid of interacting with those and then not being able to leave the room afterwards because the door was broken yeah. than I was in fighting some of the enemies which I think said a lot mm-hmm. about it but it's beautiful, it's really hard. Again, not for everyone, but I think when it comes game of the year time, it's definitely going to be part of the conversation for me. Ooh, uh, very, very good game, but uh, I don't imagine it'll be long before it's on Plus, because who's going to buy it? Doesn't yeah. seem many people have. We will see. But yeah, great game, and that is what I've been playing. Wonderful. Well, it's time, as we reach the 40-minute mark of this podcast, <laughs> to move <laughs> yes. on to question two. Okay, uh, Michael Milan, I hope you're ready for the shortest answer you've ever had. <laughs> Were you boys arcade goers back in their heyday? And if so, do you have any cherished memories of these times? I'll always remember when my local spot got a Tekken 4 cabinet and I spotted it from the window before I even entered. I can still see that opening teaser footage, he says. Mm. All the time my friend funded our successful quest to beat Area 51. There's something interesting about the culture of that world and I'd love to know if you have stories from that time. Hush phone. Sorry, that may have been picked up there. Boom, boom. You've got to buy everyone a beer, I think, is the yeah. is, is the podcast right. rule. Um, well, so for me, it was... I, I never had it as a hobby. I was never a regular goer, as it were, to mm-hmm. a, an arcade, um, partly because I don't think there was really one near me that I knew about. I would have had to travel into sort of the nearest city and there weren't that many cities that close to me i was sort of i was in a village with some towns nearby and then you had to go beyond those towns to the cities sort of thing so um i I never went regularly to arcades i would sometimes go as a kind of treat um sort of with my parents kind of well not consent as such but I, i would be at places with my parents like say a bowling alley or you know we'd have a day at the seaside and I would have to very much say, oh, can, please, can we go to the arcade and play a couple of games? And it would really just be like, we could have a go on like two things or whatever. Um, so I know some people used to just go to the arcade of their own volition because they were able to, because um, they had one nearby. Um, for me, it was never that. I was always sort of with my parents at the time and they probably didn't want me to blow loads and loads of 50ps and pound coins on stuff so that's why it was always sort of limited but I do have some good memories of going to arcades I remember I think I might have talked about this once before on possibly a podcast if not just a video somewhere where I played this safari game where you're in a jeep and you've got a lasso and you have to drive around and lasso certain animals like gazelles and elephants and stuff and I've got a bit of a false memory about this, I think, because I looked up 
this game before I before this podcast. I think it's it was last night I looked it up and I've forgotten what it's called now. I think it's Jamb- Jambo or Jambu Safari. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, my memory was that there was this weird, like, sort of peripheral control as part of the cabinet where if you reach up to your right, there's like this handle that you hold onto and swing it and that makes the the guy swing his lasso in the game i remember like physically using a controller for that and the footage i can find online does not have that as a as an option i don't know maybe there's like different kinds of that cabinet and there's one that has a a swing mechanic thing a swing controller or maybe i'm just completely making it up in my in my head in my memory because i was only i don't know 10 or something um so that's that's one of them. I played the um, the Star Wars Pod Racer uh, arcade game that has an actual. It has like two sort of handles that you hold up like Anakin, and you like control it like you're in the cockpit. That was great. Um, and then just you know stuff like Time Crisis, um, mm-hmm. Crazy Taxi, just the, some of the classics really. Uh, various motorbike games that I can't distinguish from each other where you actually sit on a motorbike and lean left yeah. and right. Um so lots of happy memories despite not having been that often. I think pretty much every almost every visit I've ever had to an arcade sort of sticks with me because it's a rare treat. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I'm the same. I grew up in a small village and oh, that surprisingly there was no arcade there. Yeah. So uh but when I was a teenager and and apart from the the uh the seemingly mandatory seaside arcade visits that every British family has to have at least once. Yeah. Um, When I was a teenager, there was a small arcade attached to the bowling alley in the town that I went to secondary school in. Mm. And so, again, same same as you, really, Time Crisis. It was a lot of House of the Dead. I was a big fan of House of the Dead 4. I liked that one a lot. Um, But most of my... Most of my my fond memories of arcades comes from the claw machines. Right, because I've yeah. had like really good luck with claw machines. There was once when I was a kid and we were at the seaside and there was one of those, you know, the giant claw machines, like the ridiculous ones where mm. they have huge stuffed toys in them. Um, yeah. My mum gave us all a little bit of spending money and she was like, no, don't, don't put it in there. That's a waste of money. And I managed to hook a piglet and a poo bear at once double prizes exactly they were huge as well and it carried them all the way over and my mum just sort of trailed off mid chastising (laughs) um unfortunately poo bear fell off but i did get the piglet and then i nearly got both of them so i I showed mum stupid mum uh and another time was actually on uh where is it is it tynemouth Yes. Yeah. yeah, went to Tynemouth with a or couple Whitley of... Bay. Yeah, one of the two. Mm. Um, went to Tynemouth or Whitley Bay with a couple of guys from What Culture back in the day. And uh, I used the claw machine there and I won myself a Spider-Man and uh, a Captain America, which some people may have seen... Oh, yeah, there's little ...hanging ones. out. Yeah, in, the, in like my fake plant that I have in my living room. So uh, that was a great day, coming home on the Metro with two stuffed toys as, you know, <laughs> someone in their mid-twenties. Yeah. Really cool. Never forget I, it. I remember, so I didn't think much about non-actual arcade cabinet games, mm. but I remember playing a lot of air hockey when I used oh, to go yeah. like with my parents on a seaside visit. I wouldn't even go and play cabinets that much. I'd be like, oh, who wants to play air hockey? I love that. Um, 
But also, my fondest memory, uh, if I include things like claw machines, is we went after handing in our final assignment in our third year of uni to the local bowling alley. Um, it was on like one of those big sort of retail estates. Mm. And I think we got there and there were no lanes available. You didn't normally have to book. And we're like, oh, there's nothing there. So we all went to the arcade. We spent ages in there. We're in there for like two hours or something, just playing loads of things, air hockey, claw machine, um, winning tokens and cashing them in for like a comb or whatever at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's a really fond memory, actually. You just reminded me then when you talked about claw machines. Nice. It's good. I do like the arcades. Obviously not very... Not very common these days, but they do still exist on the British seasides. So yeah, they do. I'm looking for. I missed going to Whitley Bay slash Tynemouth last mm-hmm. year. I'd sort of make an annual pilgrimage out there. Yeah. Uh, so I look forward to doing that. But although the idea of going into an arcade in the COVID era kind of makes me feel a bit <laughs> sick, so they're grubby enough as it is, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Peter, it's time yeah. for something a bit strong. It is. Hang on. Let me. Uh, that was, yeah, I've got it. Yeah. It's time for weird news. Weird news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Weird news time. Peter, what weird video game news have you got? Uh, I've got something here from PC Gamer. Um, if it Hello, has that opened? I just clicked it. I've got the hyperlink in my notes here and it's not. <laughs> All right, I'll flip and copy it and paste it then. Oh, Jeez. God. Why are you not? Why are you being like disaster. that? disaster. Please. We're live on the internet right now. Right, there we go. This site can't be reached. There's a typer. Have they have they taken this article oh, down? Hang on. Oh no. Let me quickly let me quickly Google this. <laughs> I don't even know what your news is. I read Otherwise it yesterday. The art the link is not working for some reason. Uh PC Gamer. Wow, this is this is great. Um, is it their Subnautica Below Zero review? Um it's it's not. It's um 
it's about it's an update i'll just i'll inform you while i'm looking this up it's about okay. uh the apple Fortnite um thing that's going on uh here we go i've got it yeah, this site can't it. be reached i think is pc gamer just down at the moment Oh, is it pcgamer.com forward slash UK forward slash Peely Fortnite Court Apple? It is exactly that. Yeah, so I can see the headline, but I can't access the page. Oh my God, my news is not available. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, maybe you'd like to give me your news first, and I will uh, see if there's an alternate write-up to this story. Or try the Wayback Machine. It might still be... Possibly, like, yeah. It was two days ago, so it could, there could have been a snapshot. Okay, I'll, I'll do mine then. Okay. I'm going to Kotaku. And uh, Brian Ashcraft, Resident Evil Village makes for a delightfully messed up puppet show. They actually use a different word in the headline, but I don't think it's, it's really ex- acceptable in the UK to say that word anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me send it to you. Let me know what you think, because I feel like it's... I don't know for sure. There's a I feel word like that it, you can say in oh uh i don't know i think that's probably okay i thought it was gonna be a lot worse than that no no it's not like a bad one i just i from from personal experience well not not that i've said it or anything (laughs) being told (laughs) off but like just just from anecdotal experience i i thought like you can't say that can you that doesn't sound i don't know you might be right you might be right i don't know anyway moving on so brian says resident evil village the video game seems scary but the puppet show Absolutely adorable and totally messed up. It's reminiscent of a Japanese children's program, but with puppet versions of the game's terrifying uh, characters and inevitable bloodshed. Come to Resident Evil Village, they sing. We're all a pleasant bunch. Not, not, not scary. Hijinks ensues, like Salvatore... Is it Salvatore or Salvatore? Probably, Probably Salvatore. Salvatore Moreau accidentally getting a chainsaw in the back. Later, Lady Dimitris sings about blood before drinking a bucket of it, going bananas, and accidentally throwing an axe into Karl Heisenberg's head. The YouTube clip title indicates that this is the first episode, so it seems more Resident Evil puppetry is in store. So you've seen this. I have. It is available if you just search Resident Evil Village Puppets. They've just... They've got Lady Dimitris and then three other, I'm assuming, spooky boys from the game and they're all just yeah it's presented like a children's tv show they're just dancing around in front of a set with like upbeat music and they're all just singing in like high pe- high peached high pitched sort of child friendly japanese voices it's very weird it's very very strange and uh yeah as the title implies there may be more of it so go and give that a watch it's really weird it i is. don't know why they've done it as if the rumours of the game not being as scary as Resi 7 weren't enough. They've got the puppets saying, we're not, not, not scary. <laughs> What's the triple negative? Is that... Is that? A... I think that means that they aren't scary. A double negative is a positive. If they ain't not scary, that means they're... Uh, oh, God. Oh, I don't want to think about it. I don't know. They're... Yeah, they are scary. They are whatever they, they say they are. If they're not, not, not scary, then, then I think not. that means they're not scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> that was hard work. Uh, I have found what I'm hoping is a write-up of the same story here. I can't attest to its quality or validity. I think the mm-hmm. issue with that a PC gamer thing, by the way, I've just noticed, is that the hyperlink has a typo in it. They've put Fortnite hyphen peely 
Uh, and but neither Fortnite or if I correct it to Fortnite will take me to the article. So I think they might have screwed something up on their end um, because of a URL typo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, here we go. So this is a game rant version. Fortnite's questionable Peely skin finds its way into courtroom during Epic versus Apple case. Um, this is written by Noah Vaca um, on Game Rant. The Epic. Games versus Apple Court case, which started last week, has been nothing if not full of surprises. For any fans not up to speed on the situation, Epic Games entered a legal battle with Apple last year over the profits from the mobile iOS version of the hit Battle Royale game Fortnite. Since then, court proceedings began. The public, uh, since the court proceedings began, sorry, the public learned about leaked Fortnite plans, internal emails, and sales figures from both companies. What caught the eye of most fans of the Battle Royale game last week was the news of leaked documents containing many of Epic Games' crossover plans for Fortnite. Uh, However, the court case has now seen an even more obscure occurrence as Fortnite's Peely character made its way into into the discussion today. The news comes via a senior source reporter for The Verge, Addy Robertson, who took the liberty of transcribing and summarising much of today's court proceedings in the Epic Games vs. Apple case over on Twitter. Reportedly, Peely was brought up today by the Epic Games head of marketing, Matthew Weisinger, who seemingly presented Fortnite's now somewhat iconic Agent Peely skin to the court. There's now an embedded tweet from Addy Robertson. Uh, Apple lawyer, colon. We have a large yellow banana here in a tuxedo. Weisinger. Yes, that's Peely. Apple. And in the tuxedo, he's known as Agent Peely. Uh, We thought it was better to go with the suit instead of the naked banana because we are in federal court right now. The epic (laughs) lawyer says, A little bit of a a digression. We talked about Peely, uh, our banana. There might have been an implication that showing Peely without a suit might have been inappropriate. Then it says in squared brackets, lawyer shows a picture of naked Peely in court. Uh, Is there anything inappropriate about Peely without clothes? And Weisinger says, it's just a banana, ma'am. So it seems Weisinger made a joke about how they intentionally chose to present the Agent Agent Peely version of Peely since it seemed more appropriate than showing the normal variant of Peely without any clothing on. Uh, And then basically the conversation went to... They, they moved on to something else and then they came back to it later on and said, sorry, can we just, I just want to go back on, on something we talked about earlier. You know, earlier you said it would have been inappropriate to show naked Peely. Uh, I just want to talk about whether, how inappropriate that is. So I think they were worried that on the court record, right. Weisinger had implied that, so we've got this skin for Peely. And he's completely naked, and it's really graphic and not appropriate. See his banana and everything. Yeah. So they sort of, after the fact, thought, "Can we just backpedal a moment? We want to go back to when we talked about Peely earlier, because uh, is it inappropriate with Peely with no clothes?" And uh, the reply was, "It's just a banana, ma'am." Wow. Um, Although there's some dispute over whether he said, "It's just a banana, ma'am," or "It's just a banana, man." That's what the PC Gamer article was saying yesterday, right. but that's lost now to the mists of time. Oh, no. Maybe Apple's taking them to court. Yeah. This court so. case is so stupid, and it's brought out some really, really interesting information so far, uh, particularly regarding PlayStation and crossplay and how they make money from crossplay, and that's why they waited so long and 
all sorts of other stuff. Epic offered PlayStation money in exchange for exclusives on the Epic Store and stuff. Like, it's yeah. some really interesting stuff has come to light. But this kind of... This is what they're really arguing about. About the banana skin. Yeah. And whether or not someone paying for it should have to pay Apple as well. It's yeah. so, so stupid. It's ridiculous. Two billion dollar companies punching each other. Although yeah. Apple's probably a trillion dollar company, is it? I don't. Well, know. Well, yeah, probably. I don't know. Uh, anyway, apologies for that cluster funk there. Of, That's uh, all right. We got, we got there. there. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's time to move on now to question three. Mm. This is from Brooks Existentialist. Although Jack Statham asked a similar question. Um, so, hello, lads. Are there any video game properties you would like to see used in another, in another game genre? Like how Tales from the Borderlands moved Borderlands from a looter shooter to an episodic adventure game. Thanks always for all the awesome content you have all produced. And uh, Jack Statham's example was uh, how Halo Wars was uh, a, a sort of strategy game. Mm. Kind of shooting off from a first person shooter game. So, uh, I mean, I've got one one immediately sprung to mind that I realised sort of already exists, but I'd really like to see, and again, it's also not a gaming franchise, it's a multimedia franchise, but I'd love to see a survival horror Jurassic Park game. Um, and then I suddenly thought, well, that's just, I mean, it's basically uh, Dino Crisis, isn't it? Um, but in any case, they should bring back Dino Crisis or do a Jurassic Park or just a dinosaur survival horror game. I think that would be great. Um, but putting that one aside, which doesn't quite qualify, I would like to see some games uh, that are very linear opened up into a more open world RPG style and then also vice versa. So one example is I think The Order 1886 was a great game and I, I liked the way they did it in a linear style. There was nothing wrong with that at all. But I think it's a very interesting universe, and I've always wanted to. I mean, it's not not that I never have, but I always like to play in sort of Victorian England style uh, worlds. I think it's a very interesting setting. So mm -hmm. I would love to see the Order uh, opened up into a big sprawling RPG with a, a huge city to explore and monsters to hunt uh, to, to hunt down and. Uh, you know, all that kind of thing. I think it would be great. Um, and then uh, as an example of the kind of the inverse of that, I think that Red Dead Redemption would arguably interest me just as much, if not more, if they brought out a more kind of uh, potted, directed, linear story set in, in the Wild West. I think, of course, there's a lot to be said for the fact that um, Red Dead Redemption has this fantastic world of well, Red Dead Redemption 2 in particular has this huge world that they put hours and hours and hours into or days, months um, and there's a lot to be said for that and a lot of people thoroughly enjoy all aspects of that game but for me and I think for you too Ben it was arguably a bit much it was a bit overwhelming and you know the fact that there were even mechanics down to like making sure that I think you had to like make sure you had a wash and you know like that would affect if you not had a bath that would affect things and you had to cook for your camp and there's a lot a lot to juggle in that game um mm. and i think the wild west setting uh is a very interesting one um but for me i would quite like to try a more linear experience i quite enjoyed call of juarez back in the day 
the the first one, the original. Um, so more of that for me. That's what I'd love to see. Um, nice. Admittedly, those aren't huge leaps of genre. They're just more kind of opening up or narrowing down the world as opposed to going from a FPS to a, an RTS. But uh, those are my ones. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to use this as an excuse to talk about Telltale games, really. Mm, right, yeah. Because they adapted, obviously, they, they never worked with an original IP. It yeah. was all existing stuff. And I think one of the, apart from Minecraft, and that one was just dire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only game franchise, I believe, unless I'm misremembering, that they worked with was Borderlands. And that was so good. It was so good. And there have been numerous occasions where I've thought, man, I would love to experience this game or this story, but through the lens of a an episodic Telltale-style game. And I was gutted when they closed down, because I, yeah. I think I played almost all of the Telltale games, or at least all of the, the ones released post The Walking Dead, because they were a bit ropey before then with yeah. Jurassic Park and... Um, was it? It was uh, Back to the Future as well. I didn't really like Back to the their Back to the Future one, um, and I I didn't play the final season of The Walking Dead, and I know that Telltale are back, but they're not quite the same. They haven't got the same staff on, and I think they do have. They've said that they're gonna pick up a lot of the licenses that they dropped when they were closed, but. Understandably, I think they're taking a far more cautious approach instead of juggling like four projects at once. Yeah. Then they may well be focusing on one at a time. So we'll probably be getting these games far less frequently. But I do wish that they return to the kind of thing they did with Borderlands because the Borderlands world is fantastic and the characters are great. But a lot of people either can't get on board with the genre or they found the humor off putting, which is totally understandable. Whereas the way that it was interpreted by Telltale was actually, it was just really good. And it appealed to so many more people. And I'm not saying it sold more than Borderlands, but in terms of it it appealed to not just Borderlands fans. A lot of people played it who'd never played Borderlands before or just didn't really like Borderlands. And they said that actually this was really funny and it was really good. And if you haven't played Tales from the Borderlands, go and play it because I think it was recently re-released. So... Do, do go and get it. It's a great game. And I would like to see basically any game <laughs> just just adapted to that format because it just allows them to explore the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be, say, beat for beat. What happened in The Last of Us? We don't need that, you know. But it, it could be a The Last of Us, a Telltale's The Last of Us. And it could just be a side story. But just different told characters, using, maybe. Yeah, you yeah. told using their mechanics and... and I think there's a place for that. And the only team that's really doing that right now are the Life is Strange devs. So we will uh, we'll see what Telltale ends up doing. But uh, yeah, more games in that style, please. Episodic games, I do like them. Yeah. I do like them. Wonderful. Well, uh, it's time for a discussion of a it substantial is. size. It is, Peter. It is time for... The big discussion. Big discussion time. This week, the big discussion comes from Ash Holly, who says, I love games and played a lot when I was younger, but as I've grown up and gained rubbish responsibilities like a job, I have less time to play games I want. So I found myself watching streamers like you fine boys stream certain games I'm interested in of, of playing them. Hang on. I'm interested 
instead of playing them myself to get my fix. That was my bad. Do you feel that watching a streamed game is a good substitute, or do you think to fully enjoy a game you need to experience playing it firsthand? Keep up the great work. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, uh, Ash. I think it very much comes down to the genre, and perhaps even within that, just the specific game we're talking about. It's not even just specific to a genre. But, uh, for example, I... Um, when a couple of walking sims came out, I at the time had uh, just too much on to play them or, um, you know, I think sometimes it was a case of I just can't, I don't have that much expendable income and there are other games I want to buy and play so I can't invest in that right now. But I watched a couple of them on YouTube before I ever played them. So everybody's gone to the rapture. I watched that in full uh, on YouTube. I think it was... um, Kim Richards' version, her her playthrough. Oh, okay. uh, I think it was. Uh, I watched. Um, I think most of Firewatch. I don't know if I watched the whole thing um, at the time, but uh, again, that's that was another one that I really enjoyed. I even watched. To go back to the previous question, I watched Telltale's Jurassic Park all the way through on <laughs> YouTube. Nice. And uh, you know, I thought it was okay. Like I, I agree, it's certainly not their best, but. Um, Perhaps it was that actually maybe it was quite nice to sit down and think I've not had to invest in this so I can just kind of take in the story. Uh, you know, it's set in an interesting time period or it, it's set basically parallel almost to the first film uh, when everything's going wrong. Um, so that was kind of kind of intriguing. But those sorts of games, I think, you know, you don't really have to necessarily play them to fully enjoy the experience. Um, perhaps it comes down to how many decisions you make in those games and to what extent they actually affect the experience so you know maybe with something like the walking dead uh that might be something that's perhaps a little better to play yourself and certainly when you start delving away from that genre entirely and into um rpgs that have um, a morality system and lots of like significant story branching points uh, you know things like that where there are decisions to be made maybe there's something to be said for playing that yourself and you know telling your own story creating your own character rather than watching someone else's you know I know there have been times where I've watched someone's playthrough of a game either that I've played before or not and they've chosen to do something where I thought, oh, that's the exact opposite of what I would have done. Um, and so to that extent, you know, there, there could be an argument to say that games like that are um, better played yourself than watched. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, there there are games that are very linear, that aren't sort of narrative style games like your Walking Sims and your Telltales um, you know, even something like The Last of Us probably works well enough if you just don't have the time or the money or the console to play something like The Last of Us. There's probably no harm in sitting and watching that because the story's the same for everyone. You're only missing out on pulling triggers on your controller. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, perhaps there's also an argument to say that watching something without a commentary might be more immersive and allow you to experience the game in the way that you would have done playing it yourself, you know, just taking in what's on screen, taking in the game itself, rather than having someone kind of chatting over the top of it and giving their own thoughts. 
Uh, some people might prefer having someone else's opinion on there to give them a different perspective. So there's all different ways to, to kind of take these things in via YouTube. And uh, yeah, I think ultimately it really comes down to the kind of game. I mean, horror games, for example, that might not even be down to whether you can afford it or whether you, you have the right console. You might be the kind of person who you might have a, uh, you know, a PlayStation uh, that can run the latest Resident Evil game and you might be able to afford to buy it, but you might think, I don't want to sit down and play that with myself with the controller mm. in hand. I want to be able to pause it or look away or turn it down a bit when it gets spooky. So, you know, that's another example of where you can benefit from watching something on YouTube uh, that's not really to do with whether the game is available to you or whether you've got the, the time or the or the money. So, yeah. Um, I think there's no there's no shame in watching stuff on YouTube, especially if circumstances kind of force your hand in that way. And uh, of course, there's an argument to say that games are for playing and you get something out of playing them that you don't get from watching them. I, I completely agree with anyone who thinks that. But um, if, if it's your only choice or your best choice, absolutely go for it. You're not going to miss out too much, I don't think. I think... Playing a game yourself will always be the best way to experience it. Mm-hmm. It's watching it is no substitution for playing it. Removing the fact that you're not playing it yourself, you if you're watching a stream, for example, you have donations and alerts and a person talking over the top. Especially when it comes to sort of narratively driven games, you will definitely not be getting an optimal experience. Not the experience that the, the, the developers and the, the creatives behind the game intended for you to have. Yeah. That being said, sometimes you can't play a game yourself. Maybe you don't have the hardware or you can't afford the game or you get too spooked or maybe there's an accessibility reason that's yeah. causing you from not playing it. Um, but you don't want to miss out. So I think it's it sort of started on YouTube with Let's Plays. And, you know, everyone releasing 20-minute chunks of, like, a a 10-hour game and going for, like, 60 parts, which looks ridiculous now in hindsight Yeah, uh, to see so many parts. Um, then there were sort of, and there still are, and I've consumed some of these, which I'll get onto in a minute, long plays mm-hmm. with no commentary. Commentary-free, um, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is a good way to experience a game if you can't play it yourself. Um, and now there's streaming. I think streaming is so popular especially currently because it lets you feel like you're part of the conversation it lets you get involved with the community and you're interacting with someone who is playing the game and lots of other people who are watching it you're just part of the audience and you're there live and there's there's sort of an experience to that and that's why that's why so many people like to experience games that way or maybe they're not interested in the game at all and they're just there because you know they're just there for a laugh and it's a fun thing to do in an evening when you've got nothing else on is just be part of a a community watching someone play a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally watch any streamers, uh, but for a while at, at work when we were in the office, I used to have uh, a, a streamer called Lobos Jr. or Lobos. Um, his VODs, he used to do various, uh, he still does, like various Soulsborne challenge runs and stuff. And I would have it like open in a window while I was doing admin stuff where I didn't need two screens. Um, but I have watched a few no commentary long plays for Resident Evil games that mm. I don't think I'm going to get around to playing, like Code Veronica. I have no interest in playing that, so I watched someone play through that with uh, no commentary. And I did the same for the original PS1 releases of Resi's 1 and 2. 
having played the remakes of both. So there's definitely a space for that stuff. And I absolutely am not taking anything away from anyone who prefers to or frequently experiences games in this manner. But I still uphold that playing the game is is the way, is the best way to experience it because it's that's what it is. You know, you're meant to play games. And if you can't, there's lots of fantastic avenues for you to experience them, but you're not getting the full experience, I would argue. Yeah, I just realized it sort of only half answered the question in that it's it was specifically about streamers. And I agree that in that case, I don't think streaming is the way to take in a game. If, if you are in that position where um, you can't afford a game or you don't have the hardware or whatever the reason is um and you want to experience a game just for the game then yeah i think long play on youtube with no commentary is the best way to do that um as you say there are there are other reasons to to take in a game via twitch or on a stream on youtube um the community and so on and you know again it can be maybe it's nice to get another perspective or watch someone else's reaction especially for a game that maybe you have played and you want Mm. to kind of relive it Uh, maybe that is a quite a good way to watch it Uh, but um yeah i think if you don't have time for games and you think i want to know what happens in this game i want to experience that story i think for me streaming is probably not not the ideal way to do it it's why i don't stream games that i've not played before because yeah, i don't that's want what my... i was about to say neither yeah. of us do that do we <laughs> no i don't want my first experience of a game to be i don't want i mean of course uh, the subscriptions and donations and bits are always gratefully received but i don't want those to be coming up in the middle of a crucial cutscene, especially in a game where i can't pause it or you know, when I'm in the middle of a firefight and people are talking, they're doing dialogue or whatever, and suddenly it's, hey guys, thanks very much for streaming this game. Be whip. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, as I say, gratefully received, but that's mm-hmm. why I don't play um, games that I've not played before. I mean, it's it's a rule of thumb. Occasionally I might do that, but yeah, not ones that I'm really interested in playing. Yeah, and it's the same reason why I don't normally go for hugely narrative heavy games mm-hmm. um you know especially one well definitely ones that i haven't played before but like it's it's why i i wouldn't play something that that could potentially be someone's first experience of it and then it be interrupted constantly by alerts like it's just it's just not the best way to to experience that but th- having said that there are plenty of games that are perfect for streaming, you know, and yeah. I think we're literally just talking about story heavy games here mm. because there's all manner of games that are that are great on stream and they don't need, you know, uh, to be saved from being interrupted by alerts like uh, Adam Pacitti's streams in Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't think he's doing much story. I think he's just messing around in the wilderness. Like right. that's perfect for that. You know, you yeah. don't you no one's going to miss out on any important story beats. Um but then, you know, you and I have played through Man of Medan and what's it called? Little Hope. Little Hope. Um, and those are pretty story. Yeah, those are pretty story driven and at least two of those we hadn't played prior. But I think there was an element of we sort of knew that they were a bit cheesy and rubbish. And yeah. so story kind of takes a bit more of a backseat. But if there's a game, you know, that I would consider very important to me, like, for example, I wouldn't stream 
the Mass Effect Remastered trilogy mm. purely because it's way too long anyway, and I'm not going to start streaming that in two hour chunks. But um, also because I just can't think of a worse game to stream, like to have that interrupted constantly in such a stop start fashion. Yeah, and it's just not a it's just not a great way to stream it, and that's. I think that's going to be on a case-by-case basis and it's certainly going to be on a streamer-by-streamer basis. But ultimately, Peter and I, we aren't really streamers. It's just a small thing we do as part of our job. You know, there are people like Boof and um, Rach and other sort of friends of the channel who that is their whole job and they're way more qualified than us to talk about what they do and, you know, don't want to stream. But certainly as just a small part of our job, for a couple of hours a week uh you know we'd rather dedicate that time to something that we feel like we can explore properly i suppose if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely um so we'll we'll see how resident evil goes down <laughs> with the we will i think resi's okay yeah, I, I don't I do. know i like again case by case basis but i think resi is one of those games as you say with horror games that people will likely tune in and want to watch because horror games don't necessarily appeal to everybody but they do in sort of a morbid curiosity way and the fact that it's being interrupted and talked over perhaps makes it far more manageable yeah kind of brings you down to earth a bit yeah for a lot of people so there we are but again different strokes for different folks let us know what you think as always peter yes where can people find us on the, on the oh god on the internet on the internet well our content goes out both in streaming form and just video uploads on youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump remember if you've got amazon prime one of the many benefits of that there's a free ad there for amazon prime is mm. that you get a twitch sub along with that at no extra cost so you can sort of spend that on us you'll get all the usual kind of sub uh bonuses and uh it it won't cost you anything extra so consider doing that amazon prime twitch prime sub thing uh thank you for modding us lord brotovich madstedactyl and trowling badger when we are streaming on youtube and twitch our social media uh presence is available at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump luke eldon continues to look after facebook thank you luke the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Lots of rewards available on there at different tiers. Go and check them out, see what's available to you. Uh, our website is tripleju.mup. That's tripleju.mp. If you go to tripleju.mup forward slash discord, that will send you straight to our discord, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollowise. Thank you guys. Um, triplejoe.mup forward slash podcast will take you to an audio form of the podcast if you're watching on YouTube right now you can download the audio version Uh, triplejoe.mup forward slash VODs will take you to our VODs channel on YouTube where all of our VODs get uploaded and finally triplejumpshop.com is where our shop is you can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter to find out the latest on uh, the new drops that are coming Um, and I believe you can go to triplejoe.mup forward slash shop and that will actually send you straight to triplejumpshop.com so either of those should work for you 
Mm-hmm. You can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday, Friday, 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 Thursdays being the joint streams on YouTube and Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else podcast is every saturday we do shows once every other week or thereabouts you know dotting around why not leave a review on itunes or your platform of choice it helps something to do with al gore's rhythms uh, this week peter we have a nintendo switch light to give away mm, a it's, blue one it's real the blue one that everyone says is purple but and then nintendo said no it's blue and everyone said no it's actually purple but it's called blue so mm. You can go to all of our social media and also our website uh, to find out more about that. In fact, can, do I have the link here? Let me just check. Triplejur.mup forward slash Nintendo hyphen switch hyphen light hyphen blue hyphen giveaway forward slash. Simple. Easy. Yeah. You'll find it, I'm sure. Just go to our social media. You'll see it. Uh, the competition closes on... I can't... It doesn't even say. Brilliant. The competition closes on the 18th I am scrolling, hang on, on the 18th of May at midday. That's my guess. Yes, that's true. Yeah, 18th of May at midday. And all you need to do is go there. You can enter several times based on various interactions, like visit the YouTube channel, follow us on Twitch, subscribe to the podcast, retweet us on Twitter, join the Discord server, all sorts of stuff. And every time you do one of those things, you get an entry and then we'll draw one winner. It is UK only. It is a UK switch with a UK power adapter and it costs money to ship things places. So only the UK, I'm afraid. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, well, you know, one of you will win a switch, so yeah, um, get over it. It was a Worst Games Ever week this week, or it is a Worst Games Ever week this week. So it went out yesterday for patrons of the Hot and Fresh tier and will be out for uh, for everyone else tomorrow. So have a look on YouTube for that if you're not a patron. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. We also did a, a couple of quipscopes this week. We've done and recorded and published one already at time of recording of this podcast on Resident Evil 8. Um, and uh, having played some Dark Alliance, uh, I think we'll probably record one of those today um, and that should be out as well hopefully um, so certainly one quip scope if not two available they are coming to the podcast feed that's confirmed right Ben we, we did a, uh, yes. a quiz a poll a quiz we did do the poll the poll came back in favor of the Quipscopes coming to the podcast feed. There were some concerns that it might clutter up the podcast feed, and although that there is potentially going to be two on the podcast feed this week, Quipscope isn't all that regular. No, so, it's really you know, not. you know, we we don't have the time, the money, or the PR contacts to play everything. So it won't it won't be cluttering up the feed, but if you really, really don't like it, do let us know. Um but someone did give us some feedback on Twitter and said hey, it's a great idea. Like, you know, might as well listen to it. Uh, so yeah. there we are. Look forward to those. Also, this week is another playing every launch game, this time the Xbox. Please do give it a watch because it was kind of expensive to get all the games and also it was a flipping nightmare to capture the footage. So uh, do watch that if you want to see every... It's 20 years ago the Xbox came out. Yeah. How crazy is that? Uh, one final thing I didn't add on here, actually, is that our the Sniper 2 speedrun mm. has taken a step in the right direction in that our account is now seven days old on speedrun.com and we can now request 
that the Sniper 2 be added as a speedrun game. So I'm going to do that today and hopefully we'll be able to submit our speedrun very soon. And I can't be... wait until people start like competing with us on that and get oh, really they'll get good way better. At All the they security need to do is camera. <laughs> yeah, they just need to skip the plumbing cutscenes. They will do that because that's what speedrunners do. So they'll, you know, someone will beat the world record very quickly with like a 30-minute run and mm. but then eventually when it becomes a huge sensation in the speedrunning oh, yeah. world, which it will, and people start making those speedrun history videos, which I find really interesting will get name dropped as the people who came up with the category. Oh my god, I can't wait. Surely That's be so exciting. <laughs> uh so yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted on that, but we're moving in the right direction. We will soon to be recognized as the fastest the sniper 2 players in the entire world. Mm. Hopefully, if they accept us. Uh we're trying to we're not we're not mocking speedruns, we're just mocking the sniper too, and hopefully we they are. see through that and don't think we're taking the piss, but we'll we'll see what happens. I Peter, love that you had the little time uh, software running without oh, any yeah. splits at all. You just hit no, start and I just then it, wanted like, to minute, be part hour, of the club. Two hour whatever one hour fifty or whatever, you just hit stop. <laughs> I still have a folder on my desktop. Um I I exported anything that that um, timer software let me save. I have saved as a file just in case they need it as some kind of proof. I don't really know. Uh, But according to this, once we submit a game and it's been accepted, we immediately become a moderator for that game. Whoa. So it looks like we'll be able to just instantly approve our own speedrun, which would be great. But I don't, Mm. honestly, I don't know. So stay tuned. We'll post on social media. Uh, it may even happen before this episode comes out, but uh, that's <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. Uh, Peter, who are we sponsored by this week as we disappear? Oh, yeah, we're sponsored by, um, hey, read a book, you idiots. Learn how mm. to read. And if, if you need something to help you learn how to read, well, read a game book, Mass Effect Literary Edition. If that's what it's going to take to get you guys to turn off your X boards and mm-hmm. read a book, then read the Mass Effect ones. Yeah. Stupid idiots. Yeah. Read a book. Idiots. Be cool. Right, we're going to go. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a good weekend and stay safe already. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.